It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. It's Monday's edition of Lockdown Rams, and it's brought to you by Built Bar. If you guys aren't familiar with Built Bar, it is a low-calorie, high-protein, and low-sugar protein bar. Now, that's the nerdy stuff, but what you need to know, it's the best-tasting bar you're ever going to have. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is try for yourself. Lockdown's getting you $10 off your first box at www.builtbar.com. Go check them out. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWN. But getting back to the action, we have got a jam pack week. We are doing our crossover series with the AFC East. So all week we've got the Jets, we got the Patriots, we got the Bills, and we have the Dolphins who held the most picks in this most recent draft. So we're going to talk about draft prospects. We're going to talk about where everyone's shaking out in the division. And we're just going to go back and forth to talk about the two teams. I apologize I didn't get a Friday episode up. Me and the Rams brothers, we just kept missing each other on times. I've also had this project going on behind my house where they're cutting down a bunch of trees. So just trying to find a time to record where there isn't a loud saw in the background has kind of been an issue. So appreciate you guys being patient this week. We're going to have five episodes. We're going to be doing crossovers the first four. And then on Friday, we're going to have Sosa on to talk some more Rams talk as we kind of get back to our focus schedule. And then the week following after that, we're going to get into our own division. We're going to go into the NFC West. We're going to do kind of our crossover series that we did a while ago, kind of getting everyone together on the mic and kind of going around the horn and hearing how everyone is thinking about where we sit from our last conversation, which was obviously right after the season. So excited about the next couple weeks of awesome content, getting to learn about some of these other teams in the NFL, not only in our division, but in the AFC East as well, kind of starting there. We've got the Jets on our schedule this year. We're not sure when that's going to be released later in this week. Uh, So keep an eye out for that. But great conversation I had. We're going to get to it here just in a second. Guys, don't forget you can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya, as well as social media. You can find us at Lockdown Rams, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. LA underscore Rambling Bear is my personal, as well as the Google number. Hit me up. Let me know your thoughts. Leave a you know 30-second message. It's just a voicemail. Uh, 657-345-4988. Question, comment, concern, draft, free agency, schedule, uh, hole, a need, whatever you want to talk about, leave a message. We'll play it on here on the show. We'll talk about it. I'll try to get you in sometime over the next couple weeks as we've got a bunch scheduled. So with all that out of the way, let's just jump into today's episode. Here's the conversation I had earlier today with John from Locked On Jets. It's a special crossover week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is John from Locked On Jets, along with Bear from Locked On Rams. And this is the first segment of the AFC East, NFC West crossover week here. Bear, good to be with you. Yeah, this is exciting. You know, we've done a lot of crossovers in the division. Uh, This is the first time getting to step out and kind of hear what's going on, you know, across the country with some of these NFL teams. So I'm excited for the chat today. Yeah, I'm not so excited for the Jets schedule, which includes three trips out to the West Coast, which has typically traditionally, no matter no matter who's been on the Jets team, it's always been very difficult for that team flying across the country 
multiple times during a season. I remember back 2008, the year with Brett Favre, Jets had four West Coast trips. They went 0-4 and uh, missed the playoffs, I think, by two games that year. So I'm I'm hoping that things are a little bit better this year for the Jets when they go out to the West Coast. Well, that's funny you mentioned schedule. We can talk about that maybe a little bit later in the show, but... Uh, the Rams looking at their schedule, you know, one of their games was the the Buccaneers on the road that looked like a, a friendlier game than it did now, you know, a couple weeks removed after Tom Brady or a month removed from him signing down there. But the nice thing for the Rams is no international trips anymore. We had uh, many of those after moving to Los Angeles. Part of the deal is you got to go on, I think it's three years straight uh, doing international series. So no international games for the Rams. Got a brand new stadium. Big question is anybody going to be in it when they open it up? Absolutely. I think lots of questions still to be answered about the upcoming NFL season. But let's start talking about the draft. Uh, What are your impressions, first impressions of the draft the Rams had? Yeah, you know, it was it was an up and down. Right. And I think it's growing on me more and more coming into this draft. We had a couple of really big free agents leave, um, you know, during that period. Corey Littleton went to the Raiders. We had Dante Fowler left us as well, uh, moved on. And then obviously you're looking at a young defensive core behind that. You thought maybe the Rams would look to kind of add some defensive presence. Uh, They did, but not with their first couple of picks. Todd Gurley also left. So they decided to fill right away with a running back. Cam Akers wasn't ecstatic about that pick when it came across the screen right away. You know, we talked leading up to it. Running back, is that the way you want to start a draft? Uh, At number 52, that's their first pick in the second round. But after I've kind of dug into this a little bit further, really loving what he brings as far as speed, balance, power, a guy that can really tote the rock uh, majority of the time. We obviously had a pick last year. We traded up to go get Daryl Henderson, who didn't see much action, but we're really excited about him too. Uh, But I don't think he's the the type of body that can really carry a load. I think Cam Akers is going to do that. They followed up with Van Jefferson, a wide receiver out of Florida. Uh, Actually going to talk to you a little bit about your wide receiver that you got because Mims was another guy that we were really looking at at 57, at least in my mind. They went with Van Jefferson out of Florida. Uh, But then they started to address the defense. They picked up a tight end later uh, in the fourth round, which is interesting because we got a couple tight ends already on the roster. Uh, that they're really excited about. So kind of curious what that means kind of moving forward. And only one offense alignment. This is something that a lot of people talked about, the Rams needing offense line help. They got that guy in the seventh round, picked 250 um, out of Clemson. So not sure if that's a guy that's really a guy that's going to come in and compete for a position, but hopefully just uh, is a good filler. Maybe in the guard position can play multiple, uh, can swing from side to side. But overall, as I'm growing on it, starting to really kind of get back to loving this draft. And the interesting thing, nine players, selected for the Rams looking at the Jets nine players selected for them you guys did have a first round pick how'd you feel about how that thing played out uh, during those three days in the draft uh, I think that there was a lot that I liked about this Jets draft now anybody who watched the Jets last year knew that the biggest weakness far and away on the team was the offensive line this line was so bad last year that I mean they at times they were struggling to pick up basic stunts that the defense defenses were throwing at them The secondary need for the Jets was wide receiver because it was not a particularly deep receiver core to start with, and they lost their top guy, Robbie Anderson, in free agency to the Carolina Panthers. Now, they signed Brashad Perryman from Tampa Bay. He's a bit of a wild card. This is not a guy with a great record of production in the NFL prior to his last month. So I think that going into the draft, top two needs were – offensive line and wide receiver and in an ideal world the Jets would be able to address both of those in the first two rounds with premium prospects so at pick 11 the Jets picked Mekhi Becton who has as high of a ceiling as any 
offensive tackle. I'd say not just in this class, but in the last few years. Now, there are some technical things he needs to work out, but this was the type of premium prospect the Jets needed. This is the first time the Jets have drafted an offensive lineman in the first round since 2006. Wow. And in that draft, they dra- that draft they actually took two in the first round. They had two first-round picks. They drafted uh, Debrickishoff Ferguson and Nick Mangold in the, in the same class, both of whom were 10-year players for this team. And I think part of the rationale behind taking a tackle in the first round was the depth of this year's wide receiver class because you knew that there was probably going to be a really good prospect at the receiver position waiting for you in the second round. And only was there one waiting. The Jets were actually able to trade down and pick up an extra third-round pick and get still get Denzel Mims. And you know, if you were following Twitter and various Jets websites during the second round of the draft, there were people who wanted to trade up into the mid-30s to get Mims. Jets were able to get Mims by trading down. So this is a premium receiver prospect. I think Jets fans were thrilled with that one. Most draft analysts think that, that was a great value. Yeah, I was actually really cut you off there. That was the one thing I was really jealous about you guys is not only were you able to get the guy that you wanted at the pick, but you also were able to slide back and pick up a third rounder with it. That was one thing I was jealous. I thought the Rams were going to trade back a little out of the second to try to pick up some more selections. That would have been an ideal trade. Trade back, I think, what, you move back 12, 11, 15 spots, something like that, and then you pick up that third rounder. So, yeah, really impressive for the Jets to get their guy but also pick up value later in the draft. Absolutely. And then you move to the third round and the Jets actually owned an early third round pick that originally belonged to the Giants because of the, a, a trade they made last season involving Leonard Williams. They took Ashton Davis, a defensive back out of Cal, who it was a bit of a polarizing pick in the fan base. Lots of people like his potential. Other people wonder that the Jets really need a safety because they have Jamal Adams and Marcus May. I'm kind of I kind of fall somewhere between. Uh, with their own third-round pick, they took uh, an edge rusher, Jabari Zaniga, out of Florida, who is kind of a, a developmental pick. He, he's a guy who has the physical tools to be a good player in this league, but he's going to need to be coached up. And then they traded down again with the pick that they got trading down in the second round. They, they dealt that pick to New England for a couple fourth-rounders. So we got to day three of the draft. Their first pick was LeMichael P. Ryan running back out of Florida, Probably going to be a backup to Le'Veon Bell this year, and I think they'll probably hope he takes a bigger role in 2021. Their second third-round pick was James Morgan, who's kind of a developmental backup quarterback. Last year, when Sam Darnold got mono, right. had to miss a couple of games. Offense couldn't do anything. I mean, the offense was the numbers the offensive posts the offense posted were ridiculous. I mean, they were averaging like three yards a game or something like that. And their their third fourth-round pick, they took Cameron Clark, who is an offensive lineman out of Charlotte, played tackle mostly in college, probably going to move inside to guard in the NFL. And what's notable about that was that this was general manager Joe Douglas's first draft running the Jets. He was hired last year after the draft. He used two top 130 picks on the offensive line. His predecessor, Mike McCagnan, ran five drafts for the Jets. In those five drafts combined, he used one pick in the top 130 on an offensive lineman so and then uh later on day three they made a pick that the fan base loves bryce hall a corner out of virginia who fell mainly because he's coming off a serious injury and i think teams just could not bring him into their facility because of everything that's going on to get reassured on his medicals so a guy who a lot of people had was a potential day two pick fell to them in the fifth round because of the medical situation and they closed off the draft by picking a punter, Braden Mann, out of Texas A&M, and then trading a sixth-round pick to Indianapolis for Quincy Wilson, who may 
kind of uh, compete for a corner job. I'm, I'm not expecting much out of him. He was kind of a second round disappointment, but they only gave him a sixth round to get him. So I think all in all, you know, a draft that Jets fans should be pretty happy with, at least at this point in time. Yeah, I really liked it, especially with looking at the the tackle right away. They didn't have to be, uh, as you talked about, this is a deep wide receiver class. They didn't have to be really teased at the beginning to go after one of those top three prospects because of uh, Makai sitting there, and it kind of was a no-brainer for them. This, How is this guy falling uh, this far to 11? It was kind of a lot of those tackles went a little bit later than uh, maybe you thought, but it didn't really put the... Uh, carrot in front of them to maybe go after that wide receiver. I think they made the right direction here. They still got a top end wide receiver, a guy at least you think that you could develop into being the guy, especially with some of the holes that you mentioned there. So uh, pretty good draft. What we're going to do is we're going to step aside. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about now the draft is over. Free agency primarily uh, in the rear view. What are kind of the next steps to get put this roster together uh, for the 2020 season? And what do both teams look like in their division? Gotta talk to you about Built Bar again because if you didn't hear in the open, it is the best protein bar out there. And I'm not just saying that because I'm saying that. Uh, you're looking at low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, blah, 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 blah. It tastes awesome, people. Just go try it. They have 16 amazing flavors. They are covered in 100% real chocolate. Real chocolate, people. Soft and easy to chew. And just going back to the number one seller, it tastes delicious. They sent a box to my house. Couldn't been more happy about that. And the best thing is for you Locked On listeners, Built Bar is hooking you up. $10 off your first order. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, which is an awesome deal because I think the boxes go for like $37. You're getting $10 off, $27, 18 bars in a box. I tell you, you might as well order two or three boxes because those things are going to be going down quick. I can go over all the good stuff about them again, but really the reason why I love them is they just taste stinking good. It's like a candy bar, but with good stuff in it. If you're like me at the end of the day, uh, all that good stuff is great, but it's got to taste good and Built Bar nailed that. They also have another 16 flavors coming around the corner at the end of the day, so look out for that. But go check them out, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first purchase. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we're back here, a fun crossover series that we're doing all week. 
Uh, we've got the AFC East. We've got the NFC West. I am Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams and joined by John of Lockdown Jets. We're talking about the draft. We're talking about what's next. A lot of uncertainty in this schedule, but it looks like the NFL is going to be releasing at least later this week uh, the schedule, which is always fun for everybody. Not You know who you're playing, but uh, where does it sit? Because like you said, if you're coming out to the West or the team's going out to the East, uh, later in the season with that weather, it always kind of plays into it, especially for our West Coast teams that are used to playing and practicing out here in sunny California. You want to know when you're heading out to the East Coast, so that will be fun to kind of watch this week. Uh, but looking at this roster, uh, last year, I believe you guys were third. Is that correct in the division? Kind of coming off a season uh, where the Rams are very familiar. I think it was a 7-9 and nine season. That's always the joke out here uh, with Jeff Fisher. Uh, that was a lot of years for the Rams, but uh, looking to kind of coming in this year, you talked about filling some holes in the draft, uh, another year under, you know, uh, quarterback development. What are your thoughts kind of coming in this 2020 season when you look at it, especially with the big enemy in the division, Tom Brady now gone? Yeah, I think this is as open as the AFC East has been in you know probably two decades with Brady not there and New England's quarterback situation very much a question mark. I like a lot of what the Jets did in free agency because this was the rare offseason where the Jets were not big spenders in, in the free agent market. And they've had this habit of like really, quote unquote, winning free agency in March and then ending up regretting it once the fall comes around and the game starts play games start to be played because they ended up making a lot of bad overpays in the past. I think their moves this year were more modest. They were focused on, again, upgrading the offensive line around Sam Darnold. I think it's a bit tricky to figure out expectations for the Jets, though, from the standpoint that I'm not sure that the seven wins were really a reflection of the roster a year ago for this team because played five games against the bottom five teams in the NFL. Right. And they also had a game week 17 against Buffalo where the Bills had already made the playoffs and were playing their backups. So I think the seven wins may have been a mirage. There's an analyst, uh, an ESPN, who was a former Jets player, actually, Damian Woody, who recently tweeted out that the Jets may have a better roster this year, but their record may not be as good. Now, you're still hoping. I always think the difference in between a 10-6 and six team and a 6-10 and 10 team in the NFL is not that great. I mean, really, yeah. for, in many cases, it comes down to just a few plays. So I'm not saying the Jets win less than seven games, but I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the idea that they were a seven-win team and they've made these upgrades, so now they're guaranteed 10 wins. I think this is a team that's – I don't think it's the worst team in the league – I don't think it's the best team in the, you know, I don't think it's in, in the elite category. I think a lot of it comes down to how, how much Sam Darnold develops. And I think, you know, like the Rams with Jared Goff, you have a young guy who has a lot of potential. There have been some good flashes. I mean, maybe not. I mean, I, I'm not sure Darnold has quite reached the heights Goff has at his highest, but I think Darnold's a guy w with a tremendous amount of potential. And if he takes a big step forward, th this team could potentially maybe challenge for a division or at least challenge for a playoff spot. And let me ask you this about the Rams. Obviously, went to the Super Bowl two years ago, a bit of a step back last year. And I think the, the quarterback maybe did not have the season fans were hoping for. Where do the Rams sit right now? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And it's crazy to think it was only... Uh, just a few seasons ago, the Rams were in the Super Bowl, and it's it's hard to even look back at because that team, uh, we were so excited about that team kind of coming together, and you felt like a lot of young pieces. Uh, and then last season, they kind of blew that thing up, middle of the season with the Marcus Peters trade, Aqib Tlaib trade. They brought in uh, Jalen Ramsey. 
and, and it just started to really switch really fast. And, and there was so many highs last year, but so many lows last year as well. And you look at this NFC West, and it is stacked with talent. And then you look down to the bottom as Arizona Cardinals just getting better and better. And you're looking at them like, guys, just stay down there. Someone's got to be fourth place, and you don't want it to be any one of us. So uh, it is a tough division that we're in uh, and kind of putting the pieces together. You talked about Jared Goff and kind of putting on that run kind of to start his career was a, a little bit bumpy, but he found that groove in that 2017-2018 season. Uh, and last year was a big step back. A lot had to do with that offensive line that I kind of mentioned earlier as you thought the Rams would put a little bit more value into the draft. Uh, they don't They don't have a lot of money, I think, actually right now as far as cap goes. They are the number 32 team in the NFL as far as available cap. Uh, they went and re-signed Andrew Whitworth, which I think they needed to do. I mean, this is a guy who's extremely old at this point. They signed to a three-year deal. I've said this over and over again on my podcast that you know, there's no way he lives up to three years on that deal. I think really it's a one-year deal with an open door for year two. And really the flexibility of the contract is built out through three years. But uh, he adds some stability to the line. Uh, you got Austin Blythe, who they re-signed for one year. He's probably going to go back to center where he saw best his best action last year. He also plays guard. Uh, Rob Havenstein, you know, right tackle. Uh, has been on and off injured. Uh, we're really curious to have some really good young guys in Bobby Evans and David Edwards that we got last year. And I think that's why the Rams didn't go into the draft is the last two years. They've spent some picks uh, on the offense line. They're just waiting for those guys to develop and figure out where's the best fit for them. But for the Rams, I think it's getting back to offensive consistency. Uh, Sean McVay kind of got a little stubborn last year, threw the ball a lot more than I think he wanted to, especially with the injury of Todd Gurley. They never really came out and said anything was openly wrong with Todd Gurley, but you could see it in the play calling. You could see it in just how they schemed against uh, the defense. So kind of excited to see a healthy running back core uh, with obviously, uh, you know, the addition of our first round pick Cam Akers or or our first pick in the second round uh, Cam Akers. So I'm excited to see them get back to running the ball a little bit more, work on that play action I don't think Jared is at the point of his career where he can be the quarterback that takes it all on and last year he kind of had to do that and that's where you saw a lot of the turnovers Um, so I'm excited about this team I think the big question for them is where do they fit in the NFC West do the Niners stay as dominant on defense and can they continue to run the ball Seahawks Russell Wilson you always feel like they have a chance they didn't have the greatest draft they haven't had the greatest offseason in general as far as free agency Uh, but if they can maybe cap it off by signing Clowney uh, that might be a good way to kind of stay in the division. And again, with Russ, you're always there. So it's going to be interesting to see Ken McVay kind of have full reins of this offense again. And what does the defense do with a lot of those young guys uh, that were drafted and or hadn't got a lot of playing time stepping in? I mean, we're looking at our middle linebacker, Micah Kaiser, who uh, was drafted a couple years ago, never really had gotten any action at that middle linebacker position, was injured all last year. And now all of a sudden we're looking to him like, all right, you ready to lead this team on the defense, especially in that middle uh, linebacking core. So uh, should be an interesting kind of group to follow along in this season. Uh, but the division is really what scares you. Now, let me ask you this. What are Rams fans views on Sean McVay? Have they soured it all after kind of a disappointing season? You know, that's the funny thing. I think Sean is his leash is getting shorter. That's for sure. Um, I think a lot's going to less Snead right now as well because being the mastermind behind this. Uh, but then again, there's been so much in this offseason that has been a little bit of a distraction. There's the, the Rams have released a brand new logo that didn't go over well. 
Uh, we are the last team to reveal the new uniforms. I think there were seven other teams that have revealed already. Uh, people are getting impatient over here. And I think that's kind of the weird offseason distraction is kind of this new stadium's exciting, but the logo, no one was really excited about. They're okay with the colors. So that's all the side stuff that's kind of going and now getting back into the draft. I think people were a little shocked at first with the wide receiver and running back as the first two picks. Uh, but I think once we get back to the field and start to see some action, Sean McVay answers every question correctly. He never gives up too much information. He's got a great attitude. So all those things kind of keep him uh, as far as the center of the core of this. We know that he's our leader. So he's kind of, it is curious though. It's a great question. I'm curious when his time is going to run out, when people are going to start calling for his head. It is Los Angeles. People do expect uh, quality performances, whatever you know, team or sport you're playing in. So uh, at some point they're going to come for him. But right now I think he's still got you know this year is going to be big for him and and uh, you know Jared Goff. Those are the two people I think that this is going to be a prove it year for those two guys. Jared Goff last year really struggled, but I think the the success of the previous years kind of bought him some time. I think next year people are going to really start to think, okay, Jared, you're you're getting paid 35 million a year. Sean McVay, you're the orchestrator of all this. We got to see some production again going back to our division it makes it really tough on them uh but they've got the players to go be successful i guess it's going to see how it really comes out uh but we'll talk about that next we'll jump over to the third segment we'll kind of wrap this up final thoughts on the jets and the rams looking forward to 2020 what are the pieces they may be missing and really how far can both these teams go this is Vinny Iyer, host of locked on fancy football with your locked on fancy football edge of the day tight end is a prime position for finding fancy football sleeper value in 2020 After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. So we've looked at the draft. We've looked at kind of where we sit, kind of fitting in this division. Really, the next step is, do you believe in this team kind of making that big step in the AFC East? As you talked about, the big dog gone. It's the open that it's really been in a long time. You mentioned that you may see a step back even as wins, but it's a better roster. What's kind of the high end uh, outlook for this team? And is there a chance that, you know, this could be the first time uh, they go snatch that, you know, number one spot in the division, I think since, what, 2002? I might be wrong there. You are correct. It's two, it was 2002. They won it at 9-7 and seven that year. And I think the AFC East this year without Brady, it could be the kind of division where it's a 10-6, and 9-7 champion, which opens the door to pretty much anybody. But, you know, it's funny. The Jets have not made the playoffs since 2010. And you think, like, after a decade-long playoff drought, like, my focus would be Jets need to make the playoffs this year. But it's almost not because this is a new general manager. He's in the second year of a six-year deal. But this is really kind of his first offseason because he was hired in May of last year after free agency and the draft. And he's kind of taken a a long-term approach. And I kind of like that. I I like the the idea that the Jets are thinking – big picture it's not all they're not shoving all their chips to the center of the table trying to 
be a playoff team this year. They're looking for a more steady build over a longer period of time. So, like I said, I think if Sam Darnold develops, this is a team that could compete for the division. I think it's a team that, if not compete for the division, could at least make a run at a playoff spot. But I don't think that's as important as Darnold developing. And it's funny because you kind of talked about how this is in some ways is a prove-it year for Jared Goff, maybe Sean McVay a little bit. I think in a lot of ways it's a prove-it year for the Jets coach-quarterback combo of Adam Gase and Sam Darnold. And I will tell you, Gase was as unpopular of a hire as (laughs) a fan base could have at the time because you took a guy who was fired by a division rival, who was pretty much run out of a division rival, built nothing there. I mean, the Dolphins pretty much had to tear down everything he had built there. And the Jets brought him in. And I'll tell you, like, you know, I speak with a lot of Jets fans, and there were all kinds of candidates who the Jets were interviewing. There was Mike McCarthy, Cliff Kingsbury, who, of course, was hired by the Cardinals. You had Jim Caldwell, the former coach of the the, the Lions and the Colts. You had Matt Rule, who was at Baylor, who's now the, the coach of the Panthers. And nobody had, nobody, like, had, a, there was no consensus on who right. Jets fans wanted to hire. But the only thing was say was that the only common statement was, "Well, I want my guy, but as long as they don't hire Gase, I'm fine with it." Right. And then the Jets hire Gase, um, and the Jets start one and seven last year. And I mean, everybody wanted him go. I, I did an entire show titled "Fire Out of Gase." Nice. And they had a nice finish to the season, but like many Jets fans, I am still very skeptical of Adam Gase. So. And I think this is a prove-it year for him because the Jets also are operating under an interim owner right now. Their real owner, Woody Johnson, is currently the ambassador to the U.K. And there's lots of reports that no matter the result of the presidential election this year, Woody Johnson's going to come home. And now he now Gase will be dealing with an owner who did not hire him. And right. Woody Johnson's always been a guy who's been very – he's he cares a lot about whether the fan base likes the coach or the general manager – and that's, you know, if you followed the way the Jets have operated, Woody Johnson's always been, you know, he, it seems like he always listens to these things when he's making a decision. And if Jets don't win games this year, that could lead to a coaching change if Woody Johnson returns and, the, and Gase remains as unpopular. So I think Gase needs to win games. And I think just for Sam Darnold's development, you want to see him take that next next step forward this year. So to me, those are the things that I know. And I, I usually don't like when people talk this way because my view is always you cannot separate coaching performance and quarterback performance from the one loss record. You know, like if Sam Darnold goes out and plays great this year, the Jets are not going to be four and twelve. Right. And if you know, and if Sam Darnold plays poorly this year, they're not going to be eleven and five. But to me, like those are the questions that are more important because I have more of a long term view uh, for this franchise. So, how about you? What What do you think the Rams need to have a successful season this year? You know, it's interesting out here, especially after back-to-back uh, division titles and then going to the Super Bowl, as you mentioned, you know, not too long ago. I, it really is wins. You know, it is it is performed now. Uh, I like the way you put that together about the Jets kind of, you know, going against the grain from what they've done normally and starting to plan for the future and put it together. They've got a really good quarterback they trust and kind of building around that. Uh, but for the Rams in this division – it is getting to that playoffs. Now there are seven spots looking back to last year. The Rams would have been in the playoffs. And, you know, we may not be as a negative view as we were this offseason as looking at missing the playoffs and starting to point the finger on why uh, with that extended playoffs, we would have been in. And, we, you know, you never know who the hot team is getting in and how far you can go. 
Uh, so, you know, that would have been fun to watch. But that is this season. So that kind of helps us as far as, you know, stretching out the opportunity to get in. But uh, there's, you know, three. And as I mentioned, now four teams in the NFC West. I think uh, you got to continue to beat the Cardinals. No one wants to be the first, you know, team in the division to go, oh, you got swept by the Cardinals. Okay. And we're seeing they're making the move, but they made the move on you guys. So I think it's still beating the teams you're supposed to beat. Um, we got to do a little bit better. Uh, of that in general, we saw the Bucks come in last year who were kind of an up and down team and dropped 55 on us in our home. I think consistency on defense is going to be a key. Uh, we saw where with Jalen Ramsey, uh, we were at, I think, six of the eight games that he was here or nine games he was here. Uh, we held opponents under 13 points. But those other games were the Ravens where we got blown out. Uh, the Cowboys put 35 on us on the road when we were in much need of a win to go to the playoffs. And then obviously those Buccaneers, which was pre uh, to leave. But you saw this up and down of the defense, just consistency across the board on that defense side. But there's a lot of young guys. So that's going to be interesting for the Rams and how they can get it done. And just getting the offense back to clicking. Last year it was... Uh, how do we get Goff not to be, you know, murdered or, you know, throwing the ball in five seconds because he was afraid of getting murdered, which is funny because the Rams offensive line gave up the least amount of sacks last year. But I think a lot of that was because Jared Goff was just chucking the ball as soon as he saw someone coming. Uh, that led to a lot of interceptions, a lot of poor throws. So cleaning up that offensive line, getting back to running the ball. It's kind of getting back to the basics for the Rams, getting back to where they were in 2017, 2018. You're hearing Les need their general managers say that over and over in interviews. So uh, getting back to the core of what we were when McVay got here, I think is going to take us kind of back to where, uh, you know, that will show as far as in the record. And then you just got to win in the NFC West. Uh, you got to split some of those battles, whether it's Seattle or 49ers. You can't get swept by anybody because it just drops you too far in these standings with everyone competing so hard. You got to you gotta split or, or uh, sweep in this division to kind of be there at the end. Uh, but I'll finish with one last question before we get out of here. After everything you've seen in this offseason, maybe what was one thing that you wish that the Jets addressed in this offseason, whether in the draft free agency or or like or elsewhere? I think the biggest weakness that they did not make much of an effort to address was the edge position, which has been an issue with this franchise for about 15 years since they traded John Abraham. Now, I don't know that there were many great options available, and they did bring back Jordan Jenkins, who had eight sacks a year ago, and they did draft Zanigan in the third round, but I think that they've at least they've, they've made a big effort to address the offensive line. They brought in a number of corners. So those were like the big weaknesses at positions of need. And they had so many needs that like you knew something would go on address. I think that's the one area that was not that, that they did not do a whole lot to address this offseason. And uh, let me ask you one last question. Uh, this is just something that interests me. Ideally, where would you like to see this game schedule between the Jets and the Rams? Early, middle middle part of the season, late? And I'll tell you, from the Jets' standpoint, I would like an early game because I just don't want any late-season trips out to the West Coast. You know, Let's bring Arizona to the Meadowlands in December when it's nice and cold. I, I would prefer an early game for the Jets. Where, where do you fall on this? Yeah, I think I think early, too. Just You don't ever want anyone clicking yet, right? You want an almost equal ground where everyone's kind of still getting up and running and uh, you know, for the Rams, depending on how this offseason goes, they or this, you know, the rest of the offseason goes and when everything gets kicked off, uh, you know, you're looking at a brand new offense coordinator, brand new defense coordinator, brand new special teams coordinator. 
Uh, so there's a lot of new faces here. And even looking in the free agency world in the draft, there's a lot of new faces. So uh, maybe just right out of the gate is good at the end of the day. Uh, coming out here, you're right, maybe later in the season when you guys are a little banged up could be good too. But I think I'm with you. I think early in the season, uh, we know our opponents in the NFC West, so uh, we can throw them throughout the middle and, and the end of the season. But I'd like to see maybe earlier in the season, see where these teams are, who's been truly working out in the offseason. I think a lot is going to show in those first couple weeks for all NFL teams. All right, well, this was a pleasure. I can't wait to do it again once the once we get to the week of the Jets-Rams game, whenever it is this year. Yep, we will find out this week, and you're right. I'm excited to do another chat and see how far our teams have come since this last conversation, some of these draft prospects, how they have developed, and kind of, uh, you know, where are the big gaps when we get to this game should be fun. I appreciate talking to you. Look forward to it again, and, uh, you know, can't wait to hear your coverage in the meantime. Absolutely. You take care. So coming up tomorrow, we have got our Lockdown crossover with the Lockdown Bills. Going to be a fun chat talking about all the excitement that they have coming off of a playoff berth. Tom Brady gone. Where does that leave the Bills in the NFC East? We'll talk about it tomorrow. But with that said, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.